This episode of The Clear Out was recorded on the 24th of January 2023 at home in Wicklow. And in the first half of this episode, I talk about Manifest, the theatre production that I am currently involved in, uh, which is all about masculinity and which is a another iteration of the community arts project what does he need which i was involved in last year as a facilitator Uh, so i talk about that and um, i also talk in the first half of the episode about why cat stevens makes me laugh Uh, nothing personal but uh, you'll listen and find out there's a funny bit of connectivity there And in the second half of the episode, I talk about a couple of recent, um, very recent in in one case, uh, a couple of troubling incidents that have made the the Irish airwaves um, over the last little while. And I put them into a context of collective forgetting and why, why we shouldn't really do that, because it leads to very problematic incidents um and fundamentally i i'm talking about i'm talking about the need to do better as a society and those incidents um yeah they relate to sort of hot points of uh racism and sectarianism and violence and hate that you know hate language so um yeah you can have a listen and you can see what you think uh, and I hope uh, I hope you enjoy so I'll see you there right around the corner cheers Ooh, not gonna change my mind leaving the dream Hi, my name is Dara Clear and you're listening to The Clear Out How are you today? How's it going? You know, with my um, with the headphones I use uh, and the microphone that I use, it picks up the bird song outside, outside hashtag blessed where I'm where I'm recording, and I don't think you pick it up on the by the time this goes out, I I'm not sure that that bird song is audible to you the listener, but um, it's very much audible to me as I record, and uh, it's rather lovely. <laughs> <laughs> so isn't that nice for me the bird song unless of course it's just in my head and then it's a little bit worrying but uh but what you're going to do we all have to uh we all have to find a way of coming to accommodations with what's in our head anyway here we are another week Another week has rolled by. There's been a horrible sequence of three or four days of mucky, grey, scuzzy, nondescript weather. Although I did just describe it as mucky, grey and scuzzy. So that's maybe, uh, that doesn't quite make sense. There's a little paradox there. Just, yeah, mucky, low grey sky it's not very inspiring but last friday was absolutely beautiful 
just gorgeous it's such a good day last friday <laughs> let me let me tell you about my great day um so basically there's a there's a backdrop to the great day uh i've started rehearsing a theater production called manifest which is the creation of uh, broken talkers theater company this is a further iteration of a community arts um, project makes it sound too small so a community arts venture um, a community arts mission that I was involved in last year it's called what does he need and that was a co-creation of Rialto youth project the artist Fiona Whelan and Broken Talkers theatre company and the the overarching goal of the what does he need um, project, I'll use project for want of a better word, is to explore masculinity in, in Ireland today and particularly to explore it as it is perceived and lived by young men. And we're talking guys in their, in their teens primarily um sometimes younger but the group i was involved in they were they were teenagers i did some work with them last year um a really interesting kind of first phase of a project with a great great uh, youth group up in ballymun some brilliant uh, youth workers that's a shout out to uh, ken and kev at uh, briar um the ballymun youth oh was it b <laughs> p ballymun briar p-r-y-r Ballymun Resource Youth Resource. No, not sure. Sorry, lads, I've forgotten the, what it stands for. Anyway, you know who you are. It's a great, great group up there doing great work with young people in Ballymun. Um, in any case, Manifest is just another, uh, as I said, iteration of this work. And it's this, this started about four years ago. Um, and it's been... It's been worked through with different youth groups around Dublin and there have been different artistic outcomes at different stages with different groups and different facilitators. Um, and now the lads at Broken Talkers, um, Gary and Phelan, um, have decided it's time to put a theatrical iteration of, of the work, of the process, up on its legs in... Um, It'll be performed at the end, towards the end of February into early March in the Project Theatre in Dublin, I think in their small space in the Cube. Um, so yeah, I'm one of, the, one, of the members, one of the members of the cast and we've started, we started rehearsals about a week and a half ago and it's, it's devised work. Um, so there's a sort of a, a working template but each session we're bringing in new things and responding to things that come up in the process and bringing a lot of our selves and our own kind of personal experience and our own personal thoughts and relationship uh, to masculinity into into the mix. And I'm, yeah, it's been brilliant so far. It's been really, really good. And there's a really great bunch of people involved, some really brilliant um brilliant and kind of beautiful men involved in this project which is uh it's very inspiring 
and very stimulating, very motivating, very moving and quite exhausting actually in a, as well when you're engaging with things that are so deeply personal um, things that live very close to your soul um, as that's how I perceive it and live very close to your identity and the things that have been so central to the the shape you make in the world anyway that is ongoing and I will fill you in more and I'll give you further clarification of those dates and when the show is going to be um, on but do keep an eye on social media everyone will be putting a bit of stuff out there Uh, I think it's going to be a really interesting engaging uh, stimulating show uh, with a lot of different elements to it Um, and nobody at any point is making any claims that this is some definitive account of masculinity or the final word on masculinity as has been experienced in Ireland. But it's a work in progress and that's part of the dynamic. It's it's something that is fluid. It's something that evolves. It's something that has contradictions and is open to challenges. Um, but I think the... The sort of underpinning uh, driver of the work is um, is a real determination to engage with what masculinity is and can be and a determination to engage with that honestly um, and bravely. Um, yeah, so that's what's happening. Anyway, so having started that pro. Process and having been really fired up by it by the end of last week, I was just feeling great. <laughs> and Friday was a beautiful day, and it was also the day I got to get my car back. My car was being worked on at uh, at great expense, much to my much to my disappointment, much to my dismay. Uh, my car required some body work to pass its. Basically, it's, uh, you know, it's NCT. Uh, that's the, the Irish kind of roadworthiness test. It passed on everything else, but it, it needed some um, rust repair. Anyway, it turned out to be a massive job. And uh, my car was taken away from me last week for, for, for the week. Um, and I was able to pick it up on Friday morning. It was a beautiful, beautiful, sunny morning. Gorgeous winter's morning. Uh, one of my favourite times of the year when and when you get those conditions one of my favourite times of the year low, low sun in the sky with lots of blue sky lovely white fluffy clouds a crisp, crispness and a brightness to, to the day and uh, my brother dropped me down to get my car and then I went for a swim and you know there was, there was a bit of you know well <laughs> compared to the water there was a nice little bit of heat from the sun the sun was most definitely a warming element and it was great to be in the water it was just lovely to be in the water it was bloody cold of course but and this is the thing that i think is interesting (laughs) because my head was in such a good space and really i felt like i was was just in a sort of a, a flow state and i just had a lot of um positive 
ideas and impulses and sort of little inspired trains of thought bopping around my head and had been had had that going on all morning um i'd been out walking pepper the dog um in the in the woods beside us here and i just had great sort of flow of kind of thought and different ideas for different things um so it was just all happening and getting into the water in that kind of headspace being very very positive it's amazing how much more bearable cold temperatures are when you're feeling like that and they've done experiments on this um when you're in a very positive frame of mind extreme temperatures are more tolerable um like not here let me pour some boiling water on you <laughs> didn't feel a thing but but a gradual and steady increase in temperature while your water is sub while your hand is submerged in water if you're thinking positive thoughts and expressing positive thoughts that heat won't feel as painful or uncomfortable to you as as the opposite if you're expressing negative thoughts um and so yeah that's it's it's that's very evident to me um getting in getting into uh, cold water so it was just a beautiful beautiful swim beautiful sun in the sky and then i drove from there up to dublin for uh, you know friday's rehearsal session and um, and it was a great session some great kind of movement work we did and it's amazing how getting into the body can also be confronting territory it doesn't have to be a course and i mean two of the members of the cast are dancers um so far less confronting for them i use my body a lot but even still to to be to be tested yeah to 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 be to, you know to be put into a, a space and to be sort of pushed and asked to stretch yourself and i don't mean that in a in a literal sense um because you're using the body in a in a process in a in a creative dynamic in an exploratory way that can that can that can raise things it can stimulate things um and while you're and you're doing that of course while being observed very closely now it's a safe space of course that's what you want that's what i think you want creative spaces to be um and you know when you feel safe you're more comfortable being challenged um because you know there's kind of security there and there's trust and i believe in that dynamic as something that allows good things to happen as opposed to the idea of very attritional confrontational um destabilizing creative spaces uh and i know there's a school of thought out there a school of thought out there that supports that idea i don't <laughs> I, I can't stand that thing i think it's just power tripping and manipulation and bullying and all sorts of crap that i really don't value in in that space um yeah you know directors or whoever who like who try to manipulate performers um yeah i'm not sure i'm not sure there, there's ways to get places aren't there aren't there different ways to get the results you want um anyway friday great day it was a great day really 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 nice um and here there's, now there's two i'm just gonna, I'm gonna try <laughs> okay i'm gonna circle back i'm gonna circle back to swimming after this next little this next little share but it was a funny thing i was driving up to dublin after my swim 
back in my own car, which I really enjoyed. And now, funnily enough, my brother had given me the, the lend of a mini convertible that he had bought on impulse the previous weekend. Did I refer to this? <laughs> I think I referred to this in last week's episode. My brother drove down to the down to Kerry in the um the the, the far sort of southwest of the country and bought a mini convertible and he's trying to decide how <laughs> what the best course of action is with that now but in any case i had the use of it for a couple of days last week so it was quite a fun little car to drive beep beep in your little mini in any case i was driving back up to dublin um after my swim in my own car and yeah what oh yeah i put on <laughs> on my cd player in the car it was a gift from another one of my brothers um, who had presented us all this Christmas. Uh, this is my youngest brother who presented us all with this extraordinary selection of books and CDs that he'd um, basically got at very little cost, if any, from a, a sort of a, a library clearance, a school library clearance. Um, and he... <laughs> He rocked up on Christmas Day with this massive holdall full of, you know, copious CDs, DVD box sets, um, fat, chunky, Scandi noir uh, thrillers, um, you know, books. Um, and I was like, here, take your pick. What would you like? Happy Christmas. Anyway, I came away with some CDs. And one of those CDs was, was the best of Cat Stevens if you can believe that. And um, it's been an awful long time since I listened to the best of Cat Stevens. And I'd go so far as to say it might have even been about 35 years since I listened to the best of Cat Stevens. And it was the, it was that vintage. Because I remember when I was in this, my second year of secondary school. So second year, second year of high school to uh, non-Irish listeners. But um, there was a guy who came into my class <laughs> who, who had been kept back a year. Now, I don't know what the circumstances of his, you know, why he was being kept back a year, um, what marks he hadn't reached, hit, achieved. But he ended up in my class and he was a truly obnoxious character. <laughs> and of course you come back in at that age you're coming back in so if I was 14 he would have been a year ahead 15 coming back and you know those those differences those age differences at that time of life seemed quite significant so he was cocky as anything he was a smoker he had the he had really yellow teeth um, and he's a real smart ass to all the all the teachers that he felt he could mess with he just pushed it to the absolute limit Um. And he was also, you know, one of those kids who really put the front on and tried to be a sort of a hard lad and was very quick to tell you how he'd kind of bash you and he hung out with some of the, you know, the tough kids and all that's grand, you know what I mean? And you're just kind of going, oh God, this guy's just going to be such an alpha pain in the ass. But the, <laughs> but, you know, but the funny thing was, he was, um, he's like, yeah, I love, he loved Cat Stevens. So amidst all this kind of 
very stereotypical alpha posturing. He was like, here, let me bring you in a tape. I'll copy the best of Cat Stevens for you. Now, we weren't, I wasn't pals with him, but he must have known I liked music as well and was, you know, was willing to, to listen to stuff that wasn't like, you know, currently on the charts. Um, and so, in fact, he may have even given me he may have even given me a buddy, a, a buddy Holly. I was going to say Buddy Holiday. That would be a funny mix. Uh, a Buddy Holly compilation as well. So I think it was a double-sided tape. One side was the best of Cat Stevens and the other was the best of Buddy Holly. I mean, great stuff. <laughs> ah, but I just thought that was funny that that particular guy... It was into, you know, Cat Stevens, he's, he's a very particular taste, isn't he? He's a very particular flavour. Um, you know, and there, there's that kind of spiritual streak running through Cat Stevens. You know, that kind of folky 70s spirituality. But he, had, he had a great ear for melody. Um, but there's a kind of a hippie thing in there. And of course, ultimately, he 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 drifted he drift, drifted, I said he drifted, maybe he ascended to Islam. And doesn't he go by Yusuf Islam now? Um, yeah, good old Cat Stevens. Anyway, I was driving in the car and I was listening to the cat, the best of Cat Stevens. And I was going, oh yeah, cool, cool, cool. I remember all these songs and this is quite nice. And, you know, some I liked more than others. And towards the end of the, the album, if, if, I'm not sure if it's the last song. It might be the last song on the album. Along comes morning has broken. The you know the the like it's a hymn, isn't it really? Um, does it qualify as a hymn? We used to sing it in assembly uh, when we were kids in school. Um, but that song, oh, <laughs> that song, always makes me laugh so hard. And it's not it's not Cat Stevens's rendition of it that tickles me. That tickles me so. It's the fact that my older brother, right? Now, I, I'm not, I don't want to get into, oh, I mean, I'm a little bit tempted to, to, to get into some family stuff, but uh, I haven't, haven't mapped out what I want to say, really. But my older brother, okay, I, I'm going to try and put in a bit of tiny bit of connective tissue here, right? There was a quote that I shared with some friends the other day. Uh, on, a, on a little WhatsApp thread I have with some good buddies that I worked with in Melbourne. This little group of um, friends who I worked with in one of the schools in Melbourne. And I, I, I referred to these guys before. Um, we used to meet all, you know, as often as we could, like as, as, as often as we could, we'd meet once weekly for um, basically chats, coffee, chats, philosophy, psychology, politics, whatever, personal stuff, relationships, um, everything, everything you can kind of throw under that umbrella. And it was, it was a great, it was a great sort of ritual um, and brought us very close as friends. And, and that, that has continued, um, except not face to face. We try and have catch ups on Zoom when we can, because we're, we're all a bit scattered around the place now. Um, and lads, if you're listening, you know who you are. Um, but I shared a quote with them the other day, and it was a Janis Joplin quote. And I think the quote is, 
every night so I, on stage I make love to 25,000 people but I always go home alone um, and it was this kind of you know bittersweet well no not not that not sweet really <laughs> I mean well it depends on your perspective yeah cool 25,000 that's pretty good well done um, but the, you know obviously the you come away with the sense of her her loneliness Um you know, and again, that's a quote taken in total isolation without context. And you project stuff because she obviously, obviously Janice Joplin died tragically young. And uh, one of the guys in the thread was like, you know, um, I think he said, yeah, she made some bad choices. And then we were just kind of observing the sort of the cliche and the reductiveness of that. Um, but I mentioned that because <laughs> because I'm because I'm referring to my older brother, who's also in many ways been been a, a victim of his his choices and he kind of set himself off on a certain path at a young age and has had a very um what again euphemisms don't quite cut it but um eventful <laughs> eventful an eventful life and um you know it the, the, the eventful life has come that's that, that great personal cost at times and um, there's been outward ripples of that costliness and other people have been affected by that um, and it's been you know it's been challenging it's been challenging for him of course and then challenging for people who kind of care about him um, and that's really all I feel is that's that is fair to say at this point but he <laughs> who's you know who's been this kind of you know cynical out in the world um kind of cowboy uh not a literal cowboy but a sort of out there trying to you know find his way and fight his corner and make money and do what he has to do um and this kind of yeah this kind of like yeah you know life is a battle um it, I mean, I say stuff like that as well. Life is tough, but I think there's a... I'm coming at it from with a, quite a different sensibility and quite a different outlook. Um, but he, as a little fella, <laughs> he, he, he used to sing Morning Has Broken. That was his little party piece in his lovely little voice as a like a primary school aged kid and i remember him have i have i mentioned this before i don't know if i have um but he used to not i mean i, I make it sound like it was a regular occurrence i have one clear memory of him standing in my in our grandmother's house at a big family gathering and someone pressed him to sing morning has broken and so this, you know, huge family gathering, everybody in like kind of this double sort of living room, um, you know, opened up by opening up the partition door between the two rooms. And my brother being asked to sing this song and a bit like a bit like Will Ferrell in the, the film Step Brothers, who can only sing when he's convinced nobody is looking at him and so sings uh, yeah, does he sing with his eyes closed in that movie? Anyway, very similarly, my brother removed himself from the room and stood out in the hallway uh, away from everyone to sing Morning Has Broken. And uh, 
it's just a it's just a memory of him doing that and the kind of the sweetness of it and the innocence and his, you know the, the 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 sort of the, the the shyness but also the willingness to persevere i just it's just i mean it's it's actually kind of beautiful but it's also when you know the guy and the man he became <laughs> <laughs> it is so hilarious it's it's just such a bizarre juxtaposition um so anyway so when i was driving up to dublin last week listening to cat stevens and morning has broken come along i just can't stop myself laughing i was just pissing myself um and thinking of my my older brother as a kid standing out in the hallway of the of, of, of our grandmother's house singing that song um yeah anyway there, there you go um so two other things right now one other thing on cat stevens and i'm going to circle back to the to the to the swimming so another little cat stevens thing at some point and i think this happened while did it happen while we were living in australia maybe i don't know anyway in relatively recent years let's say 10 years ago cat stevens was in dublin um and he came over to to do a gig and he was i think it was part of um he was he had a he had a musical there was a musical based on his music or no or maybe it was a new musical he'd written and he wanted to play some songs from the from the uh, from the musical some some of his new music and so he was kind of tipping along doing some songs um and Eventually, someone in the crowd had enough <laughs> and just just shouted up at him, "Here, cat, play Moon Shadow, you!" And this and it rhymes with Rollocks. Okay, play Moon Shadow, you Rollocks. Um, enough is enough. That always makes me laugh as well. Poor old cat, doing his best. I'm gonna, I want to play some of the new stuff. Not interested. Moon Shadow now. <laughs> father and son now anyway poor old cat i mean he's probably not poor at all is he is he still with us cat stevens he hasn't died has he you, you know you lose track um i'm pretty sure he is i, I think i better just check just so uh just so no one's triggered by me you know forgetting forgetting his um his status um yeah anyway i'm gonna i'm just gonna quickly check that because i know you're asking yourself the same question if you're not if you're not a cat stevens fan let me see good old cat yusuf islam commonly known as cat stevens is that's it that's all you only need to see is you only need to see is and you know he's all right well he's got some interesting names for his kids must be from yeah from the world of of islam anyway he's only he's 74 so he's he's in great shape for a play to him um cat you're a fan you're a fan of cat <laughs> um yeah anyway i'm going to circle back to the swimming briefly so i saw something came up yesterday on on my google feed occasionally scroll through it because every now and again something comes up and you know the algorithm doesn't lie it kind of knows what you're interested in but Eva, Eva, Eva Wiseman, is that her name? She's a journalist with The Guardian. Um, she put up a piece, or Google Feed offered up a piece of hers from The Guardian, where basically she was proclaiming the death 
the death of wild swimming, of open water swimming. And it was quite a funny piece. And I only mention it because I've, I'm sorry, I've certainly been guilty of it in this space on the podcast of occasionally banging on about my swims. I, I mean, I hope, I hope to God that you hear where I'm coming from uh, and I'm not preaching or advocating. I'm just kind of saying, listen, that's what it does for me. Because <laughs> there, is, there is something uh, that Eva Wiseman tapped into and basically she said, you know, you'll know someone is a, uh, a wild water swimmer because they'll tell you. And it, it's that joke about, it's, 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 it's very similar to the joke about how do you know if someone is a vegan because they'll tell you. Um, yeah. And so I, I certainly, you know, away from this, away from the podcast and away from, you know, the blog where I occasionally wrote about swimming. Um, I've tried to stay away from that kind of thing. Um, and I mean, I, I was, I, I made reference to this recently, the whole idea of, you know, your wellness being kind of internalized rather than, screamed from the rooftops um and the kind of performative curated wellness uh, that we that we we see everywhere across social media and and certainly the you know open water swimming sea swimming cold water swimming and i suppose cold water that's that's kind of that is the one that people tend to go on about just like people tend to go on about um oh yeah i've been doing uh, the vim hof method yeah, yeah. Held my breath for five hours. Amazing, amazing, life changing. And it's this weird thing where you don't. Yeah, but Vim Hof, we're not gonna. He's not a bad guy, is he? <laughs> Vim, Vim Hof is helping people, you know, access something else and use their bodies um, in a richer way. Isn't that a good thing? And it is a good thing. But there's just this thing with kind of fads or things that become popular, um, and there's a kind of a a hipsterish in the gang element to how people start crapping on about it that it's very off-putting um i'd go so far as to say for some people might even be a little bit triggering um but yeah it was funny her article was funny and basically she was saying look great good for everyone else she was never interested like a lot of people aren't interested like a lot of people do not want to get into water that isn't like a nice bath I get that. I mean, I understand that, you know, and I've never tried to drag someone swimming who doesn't want to go swimming. Um, and similarly, I've never tried to get someone to come and do karate who doesn't want to do it. Like, what's the point? Get people who want to be there. Um, and, you know, you're, you're just working with a much more pliable energy. <laughs> uh, but yeah, she was pointing out in her article that an awful lot of not so good stuff has gone into now she was speaking about England you know so she was talking about kind of Britain's waterways and the sea and how this extraordinary amount of effluent of human waste had gone into the waterways that all the cold water swimmers were plunging themselves into and banging on about and people are picking up all kinds of nasty crap (laughs) from swimming in crap basically um so yeah she was quite happy to go enough is enough lads let's just knock this on the head um 
and certainly she'll be happy to stop hearing from you know all about it from everyone who does it so yeah that chimed that chimed with me and i had to kind of go hmm i'd have to put my hand up and, and go yeah i've done a little bit of that certainly um dry robes she gave a shout out to dry robes um a little bit of character assassination with the dry robe i'm definitely on board that train um yeah so anyway just i don't know what is that what is that why do we we when i say we i mean you (laughs) why do you feel the need to just crap on about it i did this i did that you know isn't at, at the end of the day if we're talking about wellness if we're talking about staying well it's personal isn't it isn't it personal isn't it a bit like your isn't it a bit like your religion your faith whatever your belief system is your 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 credo like i was talking about that last week it's personal just do it for yourself and then go out in the world and and just you know get along with whatever (laughs) i don't know i mean it also goes into that virtue signaling territory look at me i'm so great doing this tell me i'm great affirm me you know you're in trouble you're in trouble when you have to do that 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 is a very key area of you know where do you seek your validation i mean i've talked about this before you know you gotta you gotta work on that validation coming from within and i think there's much greater strength in that and it's much more hmm, nourishing to uh, keep going with the theme that I said I'd be touching on um, this year. Um, a motif of the year, uh, just to recall last week's episode. Anyway, I'm going to park all that stuff, okay? Cat Stevens, swimming, great days, flow days, flow states. I'm going to leave all that for now and jump somewhere else. I don't know, I mean, as I talk about what I'm about to talk about, maybe maybe some something connective um, will present itself. But right now, at the outset, I I can't identify anything immediately. So I'm just going to talk about a couple of things that have have come up um, in 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 Irish culture um, recently. Two things that have been brought well one i i came across it online and i was really interested in it and the other was something that uh my wife brought to my attention last night and they are related they are they are absolutely related and i think it's a really interesting thing and basically we're going to get into this area of um an area of what i mean basically what you have are two two sort of examples of thoughtlessness of cultural insensitivity of um offense causing um and i think in a very in a very real way in very profound ways um and so I'm going to start. The first thing was, and you know, if you if you if you're if you're an Irish listener and you've been paying attention to 
what's been covered in the media you're probably already familiar with this story but i came across it um, a couple of weeks ago just after it happened and basically the situation was this so um tommy tiernan is a, a beloved a beloved figure in ireland um and i think for a lot of good reasons i'm, I'm you know i've always found him worth paying attention to uh, he's a stand-up comedian if you don't know that and he's an interesting i think he's an interesting thinker um and you know a very thoughtful guy with a very sort of uh, poetic kind of leaning or a poetic he can, he can often i find have sort of a quite a poetic voice um even though his, his you know his kind of bread and butter is comedy and has been for over 20 years um could be even closer to 30 years at this stage and Tommy Tiernan has uh, come to even greater sort of uh, prominence in, in Irish media in recent years because he has a, a talk show, um, very standard one-on-one format talk show. But the only thing that's different about it is he doesn't know who's going to sit in front of him in the chair until the show starts. So it's there's a kind of a, an unexpected nature to it and, and, and an impromptu nature to it. And he has to just trust his own instincts as a person, as an interviewer, as someone who's interested in people, that he'll get a, a good result. And I, I've seen bits of the show. I've seen, you know, I think there's usually two or three guests. And, you know, he, he's a very personable um, character. Uh, anyway, he was doing one of his stand-up shows in Dublin um, earlier this month. And a... There was a woman in attendance in the crowd and she is um, someone who's been on TV as well. I hadn't come across her before, but um, yeah, her name is Emer O'Neill. And so I just saw this article come up where it was like, you know, fellow TV personality walks out of Tommy Tiernan gig. And I just saw the name, Emer O'Neill. I thought, okay, what's this about? And she relayed her experience of Tommy Tiernan telling this joke, which he prefaced by saying, my family told me I shouldn't do this joke, but we'll see how it goes. And basically it was a a joke about going to Dublin Zoo and he was comparing animals to different things. The penguins were like nuns. Uh, The wolves were, I think he made, the wolves were being compared to Irish people in some way. And then... And so as I was reading this, I was thinking, oh, this, this person who walked out of the gig, you know, there's probably some animal activist or something, you know, and they've been triggered by some animal cruelty joke or animal humiliation joke. Um, and then I kind of scrolled down and I saw that the, this, this woman, Emer O'Neill, was, was black. And I just, I just got this sinking feeling in my, in my stomach. And I thought, oh, no. I'm thinking, Tommy, what have you done? Anyway, he went on to make a joke about going to the savannah section of um, the zoo and uh, seeing, and his basically the punchline was, and seeing taxi drivers. And, you know, got a great response from the crowd. And I think the, you know, the association was meant to be there are members of the sort of, um, you know, African community in Ireland. That's such a broad statement um, who a lot of them are taxi drivers. And I just thought, holy shit, 
are you serious? Like one, I just thought it just wasn't a funny joke at all. Two, I thought the association between zoos, the savannah section, um, and then this sort of long-established, horrible racist connection between African animals and, I guess, primates um, and black people. I just thought, this is really off. Uh, not funny at all and extraordinary in extraordinarily poor taste uh absolutely unequivocally a sort of a racist joke um and apparently the almost exclusively white audience laughed which tommy tiernan took as validation of the joke he said well it can't be that it can't be a racist joke if you're all laughing but um emer o'neill felt she just had to leave and just felt ex, you know excruciatingly kind of uncomfortable um and ch- you know chose to leave shortly afterwards um anyway the fallout from that like and i was i, I mean i saw it and i was kind of I remember saying to my wife my wife at the time going really is this is this like what the hell like how in god's name is this considered funny uh palatable acceptable like it's such a weak joke anyway and you know it did you know one of my first thoughts was it reminded me of the weakness of um uh chris rock's joke at the oscars last year when he made the joke about will smith's wife um oh god why have i just gone blank on her name you, you know the incident because she had alopecia so her head was shaved and he made a really weak joke about the sequel to gi jane and then it led to that ridiculous you know that you know that over the the top um i don't know i mean again that that reaction go back and you know the will smith slap at the oscars when will smith jumped up on stage and slapped chris rock across the face um anyway i mean it's you know my the first kind of note of offense was to me for both those jokes was like they're terrible jokes they're not funny at all but then when you put it into a context in tommy tiernan's case a context of being overtly uh, racist and of course this idea then of comedians who are punching down which isn't i don't feel that that's tommy tiernan's wheelhouse um that's you know he, he's, a, he's a much I, I've, I've always found him a much more intelligent um comedian than that uh and and again it's it's you know i don't want to get into kind of some, some sort of pious territory with this but in any case um, I saw nothing. I saw no real reaction to this and didn't hear it coming up anywhere. But then the other day, I, I noticed that Eamon O'Neill um, had been interviewed on uh, Irish Radio and RT on Radio 1. Um, and you can go and find that. In fact, I might even put the clip, I might even put the, the, the link to that interview in the description of this episode. You might be interested in it to hear her account um, of, of her experience and basically she was saying that Tommy Tiernan had reached out to her uh, via email to apologize and offered to speak to her on the phone and they had a very you know well what Emer O'Neill described as a very uh, productive um, constructive and helpful phone conversation for about an hour um, and she's just pointing out you know really spelling out the kind of the impact and kind of the the kind of the shame um, that she felt because she has worked in um, sort of racism activism trying to 
educate and advocate and make people more thoughtful, more considered, make people think about ethnic minorities differently, um, make them try to see things from the, the other side of the fence, so to speak. And in that moment, and she, she, she was saying in the interview, you can listen to it, she, she was saying she advocates people you know, to stand up, um, to stand up and challenge racism. But she, and she, so she said she had this horrible kind of feeling of, I, I'm not doing what I'm saying. I feel I just have to leave here um, and was afraid of kind of being heckled um, and being made feel more conspicuous. Um, so she was kind of expanding on all of that, um, which, you know, which, which I felt was like, yeah, this all makes absolute sense. Um, and, you know, one of the things she said that Tommy Tiernan said to her was that it was only after the incident that, that it kind of gave him pause for thought to think about as a, you know, in his words, as a, you know, middle-aged white man that he wasn't in a position to say what was or was not offensive to a person of colour or to an ethnic minority. Um, and I'm not, I'm not saying that he's being disingenuous. I was just kind of going, wow, really? <laughs> really? Has it taken you, has it taken this incident to kind of draw your attention to that or to make you consider that? Um, I don't know. I think, uh, I don't know. I mean, my context, I mean, I've spoken about this many, I feel like I've spoken about this quite a lot on, on the podcast since its, uh, since its inception. This area, I mean, I, I've, I just feel like I've got like a, an interest, I've had an interest in sort of, um, if I suppose I say, oh yeah, I've, I've always been interested in racism. That, that's that's not quite the right way to phrase it but i feel like i've been very aware of the sort of the injustice of racism and the injustice of discrimination um particularly against black people um from a very young age primarily as i've encountered it through movies uh movies and popular culture i suppose but primarily through movies um and it was something i felt I don't know. I, I always reacted. I felt internally. I always reacted very strongly to that, and with a very sort of ignited, or yeah, like a, a very ignited, sparked sense of injustice and the wrongness of it, and the kind of the cruelty of it, um, and that's kind of it, it's never not been with me. Um, and I was just thinking when I was reflecting on it over the last few days, I was kind of thinking, well, and, and then today when I, I listened to the, the, the interview with Ian O'Neill, like I found myself thinking, has Tommy Tiernan not lived outside Ireland? Has he not lived outside Ireland for a long enough time in certain countries to kind of go, you know, you can be Irish and be exposed to certain attitudes, certain perceptions, certain unhelpful, reductive stereotypes um, that can be, if not overtly racist, can be sort of racist adjacent, if you like. Um, and again, 
I've always felt very aware of that, having you know having lived in England um, in in my early twenties. Um, you know, you, you, you know, you don't have to you don't have to go very far to encounter those attitudes. Um, and, you know, like within an English perspective, a, a sort of a, a lazy, assumed superiority uh, exposed to the sort of the ignorance of the history between, you know, our countries. Um, and again, I'm not trying to make a direct equivalence with racism based on colour. Um, and certainly when Emer O'Neill was speaking about the um, blatantly racist commentary that she got um, after she shared this, uh, shared her experience publicly um, and across social media, she, I think what she said, there were like about approximately 6,000 comments and she said about 99% of them and I was, you know, some some part of my brain was like, ninety nine percent of them were really supportive. Uh, no, I'm unfortunately not. Ninety nine percent of them were like, go back to Africa, and you know, you're not, you know, you're not really Irish. You're not the real Irish. Uh, you're, you know, you're you're some watered down version of that. And and this was the one that was particularly horrible. You know, there's plenty of boats and planes you can get on. And basically, you know, feck off out of Ireland and leave Ireland to the Irish. And she was saying how, you know, this, you know, you can click on those comments and they'll bring you back to someone's Facebook page. And they're just, you know, very normal looking Irish, you know, you know, white Irish people with their kids living their lives and are not trying to hide or obscure their identities, are, are not trying to obscure their the you know that they are the the originator of some really horrible racist language directed at a a woman of color. Um, I was and I mean I, I find generally speaking, I'm not shocked. I'm rarely shocked by the depths of crap human behavior because there's just so much. There's, there's far too much evidence that people can be colossally shit. Um, and I can't say that I, I I can't say that I'm shocked by this story, this re- this reaction. I mean, I'm disappointed. I'm really disappointed. You kind of go, oh man, really? Are we not better than this? And I do kind of go, do we not? You know, do we forget our own history? Do we forget? And I mean, it, funnily enough, there was another clip I came across online recently, and it was of Richard Harris. Because you may or may not be familiar with the what's often presented as apocryphal accounts of signs that went up in English accommodation through the, I guess, 50s and 60s. And there used to be a sign that could be seen in the windows of bed and breakfasts or small hotels, I guess. I'm not sure. That would say, no dogs, no blacks, no Irish. And as I say, that that has, I think there's been an attempt at times to debunk this story and make it apocryphal. Ah, no, that was never there. But there was a clip I saw of Richard Harris being interviewed. And he would have been a young Limerick man, Limerick man in England pursuing his acting career. And he saw one of those signs in a window. Now, 
Richard Harris, if you've seen any of his archive interviews, he's quite the, the storyteller and um, I think not averse to a bit of uh, kind of theatrical or poetic license. Um, and he was obviously a bit of a rogue and a brawler and a drinker and is often held up as one of, you know, oh, an old school real man. Uh, and to this day, one of... Um, one of, I mean, without question, one of his absolute, you know, most gripping performances was very early in his acting career. And that was this, this sporting life as this kind of brawling brute of a rugby player um, who, uh, yeah, is kind of, I don't know. I, I, I don't know how to kind of describe the arc of that story, but that is a, a, a really... Um, it's a kind of a it's a kind of a punch of a movie that just smacks you in the face and it is about masculinity and sexism and virility and violence and repression um uh and i don't know if it falls into the kind of the kitchen sink dramas i think it has more to it than that but then that's not a that's not that's not to diminish kitchen sink dramas but um in any case you know, Richard Harris, I, I think he was very well aware of the myth of, of of himself. Anyway, he was telling this story in this interview about how he saw one of these signs, the no black, no dogs, no blacks, no Irish signs. And he wrapped his shirt around his hand and punched through the window and took the sign away with him uh, as his act of defiance. Um, it's a nice story. It's a nice story. And I'm not listen i'm not trying to throw shade on richard harris or suggest that he didn't actually do that but you know my inclination is to think yeah that sign was there maybe he did maybe he didn't smash the glass but the point i'm trying to make is as irish people can we not can we not kind of i don't know what 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 is this act of forgetting what is this act of of willful turning away or not owning our past or not recognizing what was done to us and how we were marginalized and discriminated against and you know what happened to us under british occupancy and the various um uh, horrors is a very dramatic word but you know, the, you know the, the entirety of our history from the sort of you know Norman invasions on uh, the Norman invasions, which of course you know that was they were they were invited in, so invasion might be a misnomer. But I don't know. I just kind of think, really, really, and you know Irish, you know the the amount of emigration that is part of the Irish story, particularly from the the famine onwards, and how many Irish have gone, how many generations of Irish have gone to other countries, and had to kind of survive and make their own way and find a way to be the outsider who fits in and gets along. I don't know. I just think there's there's something really, I don't know. I, I mean, I used the word disingenuous earlier. But it's like, come on, lads. Come on. Don't forget where we came from. Um, and let's, I don't know, let's do better. Let's do better. 
Um, like I just find that stuff. It's um, it's troubling, and it's troubling when you know it's it's very. I think it's very troubling when people think they can just kind of throw out that sort of hate speech so easily and not be called on it. And and I think I think Facebook was the platform that allowed that to happen. Um, and I'm not sure what way legislation is moving in that area, uh, but it's it's concerning. Um, and this isn't. There's nothing. There's nothing about this position that's woke, or snowflakey, or overly sensitive. Um, you know, whatever about the specifics of Emer O'Neill's experience. You know, we are talking about challenging something that's really insidious, that's really destructive, that has a profoundly negative impact on the communities of of people that it touches. Um and it I just it's it's just I, I don't I just don't value it at all. And I don't think it's something to be made light of or to to, to trivialize. It's something that's really really important and you know it, it says something profound about where we're at as a culture as a society if we're not challenging that stuff um and not challenging it in really unambiguous ways and looking at more constructive ways to to negotiate um a changing society and like wherever a society changes from being largely one thing to becoming a new thing, there's always tension and there's always emotion. Um, and then you throw into the mix, as we have now, a sort of a, a, a you know a landscape that is economically viable, um, uh, a rocketing cost of living, and all the the, the angers and emotion around that, um, and then volatile elements. Um, outside trying to manipulate that sense of anger or frustration or helplessness and then trying to hold up targets which could be again this you know this is this is nothing new under the sun you know to target others others that aren't us and i go feck that i can't stand that idea i despise it and i mean emer o'neill spoke really well on on in that interview and it's kind of standing up for herself and just going, let's have a real hard look at this. And, you know, she was very, very clear in her gratitude to Tommy Tiernan for kind of reaching out and having a proper conversation about it. And I think that always is the way to go. Like, let's, you know, keep the, keep the conversations going, look at these things intelligently with nuance. And again, I think just be very clear about shouting down the uh the kind of toxicity of racist rhetoric don't give it oxygen don't green light it uh, quite the opposite and um, put up a red flag um, and expose people and go no this isn't cool this isn't right this is not this is not the country we want to be that's my position anyway um okay so as i say i'll throw a link to that interview in the description uh, of this episode so you can go and you know give it a listen yourself and see what you think um in an, in other in another area um my wife was pointing out this story to me yesterday apparently <laughs> this is and i think this is mad apparently 
in Antrim, which is in Northern Ireland. Um, again, this is for the non-Irish listeners, okay? So if you're Irish, rolling your eyes, going, we know where Antrim is, Dara. We know where Antrim is, okay? We're Irish. Even Emer O'Neill knows where Antrim is. Lads, Emer O'Neill's Irish, okay? She's one of us. Emer, you're one of us. Um, Tommy's one of us as well, by the way. Um, anyway, there's a, is it a hotel up in Antrim somewhere? I mean, I, I didn't bother going, you know, check the details. But basically what they're offering, one of their, one of their uh, special um, services and one of the lovely things you can do at this uh, hotel slash spa maybe is you can come and have a a spa treatment um and you know get into some nice comfortable swimwear and when you're done with that you can pick up a gun and go to their firing range and, and shoot your gun and that in itself feels to me like it belongs in a different universe in a different part of the world maybe some of these uh, gun-toting states in the USA come to mind um, I'll have a massage I'll have a facial and then I'll get out my AK-47 and let rip um, on, 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 on the firing range but up in Antrim there is a, a hotel a venue um, offering that as yeah yeah come and do this it'll be great crack and the way they're advertising it, and here's, you know, this is the thing, they're advertising it as bikini and balaclava, or bikinis and balaclavas. And they have pictures of, uh, I think they're advertising, a campaign involves two women in skimpy bikinis with black balaclavas over their heads. Um, now, you might go, if you're, if you're a non-Irish listener, you might go, okay, What's the big deal? The big deal is throughout the period of Northern Irish history known as the Troubles where there basically was, what, 25 years of bloody conflict between different paramilitary groups and the British military and the Royal Ulster Constabulary uh, which led to huge loss of life, um, acts of horrendous violence um, between the different members of the different communities of Northern Ireland. The balaclava was a standard piece of paramilitary uh, uniform to disguise the identity of the combatants. Um, and you can think, and this happened, this would have happened across Antrim, it would happen obviously, it happened in the cities of Northern Ireland, particularly Derry and Belfast uh, and towns and different regions. Um, and you can be sure if you're someone who grew up in Northern Ireland at any time from 50s, 60s, 70s and 80s, if you saw a man coming into a pub or coming in, coming anywhere, coming towards you wearing a balaclava, your thought probably wouldn't have been, oh, this will be fun. This will be a nice experience. Your thought might have been something really bad is about to happen. Um... And again, I'm not going to get into the specifics of, you know, different allegiances because that's kind of besides the point. But the balaclava was a symbol, um, you know, basically a symbol that meant, you know, warfare, that meant violence, that meant execution, that meant punishment beating, that may have meant bombing. 
Um, and a lot of people in Northern Ireland, which is not a huge place, let's remind ourselves, a lot of people have been touched by that violence um, in very uh, traumatic ways. And so the idea that a venue in Northern Ireland is going, this will be fun, throw on a balaclava, throw on your swimwear and come and fire a gun um, and get a massage or a spa treatment, I find it kind of astonishing. I thought, is this, coming, is this, a, is this a kind of a sick joke? Is this... What, what, what is this? What sort of crazy money-making neck um, has someone got to do this? Um, and again, it seems like the reactions have been quite varied and some people have been highly critical of it and some people have made jokes about it. One, um, one that did make me laugh was... a. a, a a, a, a responder a commenter said um, well I find this really disturbing because you know I'm too fat to wear a bikini but at least if I put on my balaclava no one would know it was me now <laughs> I thought that was actually quite a good joke but better than Tommy Tiernan's joke no offence Tommy um, but yeah again again I see a connection between bikinis and balaclavas and the tolerated racism of of Tommy Tiernan's joke, and then the the you know the horrible racism in the the, the comments that have been directed at uh, Emer O'Neill. And again, I use this I did this phrase of you know collective forgetting. Um, I don't know. It's really weird. Like why? I don't know. That just seems like such a such a, a poor, tasteless, provocative in the worst possible sense uh, way to, to to market your services. And again, let alone I don't know what the rules are around firing ranges and gun ownership um, anywhere in in on the island of Ireland. Let's let's just put it that way. So I'm not, I'm not I'm really not sure what the, the legalities of that are. And I just thought, Jesus, this this is surely someone who it, surely it's a wind up. And it's like Michael O'Leary, Michael O'Leary, the uh, the CEO of or the owner of um, Ryanair, who at one point said, yeah, we're going to have planes without seats standing, standing only on short haul flights uh, around Europe and Again, you're just thinking, okay, it's just, it's just a, it's just a publicity stunt. Let's get some attention here. So maybe that is, um, but certainly my wife's impression from the article she shared with me and mine from reading it was, no, this is, this is legit, and the the venue was like, no, we're still going to do it. It's, it's really popular, but I don't know, I don't know. Um, the 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 phrase that comes to mind to me is just you know people need to cop on to themselves and just cut that sort of stuff out and go no this this is this is wrong this doesn't there's no place for this there's no place for such short memories there's no place for such disregard of and this is what it comes down to isn't it like you know my feeling is whether it's you know 
you know, people of colour, people in ethnic minorities, people who have been victims of the troubles, you don't just cast them aside. You don't just disregard their stake in society. You don't disregard their um, emotional um, their emotional rights, their emotional kind of validity. Uh, because of course that is that's the ultimate kind of objectification, isn't it? You remove their hum- humanity when they're just there as a punchline to a joke. Um, and it's the same with this bikinis and balaclavas nonsense anyway look um i'm gonna leave it there because (laughs) because i'm on my way to the dentist to have some dental work done um yeah so that's gonna be fun isn't it listen i i'm that might feel like an abrupt ending and i apologize but there's um there's a bit of meat in that episode i think and i hope you've um i hope you've enjoyed what you've heard i hope it's uh stimulated some thinking and i welcome i welcome any response negative or otherwise on any platform you can find me there um just see the social media links in the wherever you're listening to this podcast the links will be there for for facebook for instagram for for youtube twitter and you can send me some love you can send a response a comment thoughts please subscribe like share And if you want to support this podcast, which is an independent production by little old me uh, down here in hashtag blessed in in County Wicklow, um, do please, because it just makes it all a lot easier. Um, And it's a it's kind of a it's a validation when someone goes, yeah, I'll give you a few bob once a month, the price of a cup of coffee for this work that you're doing for this creative product that you're making that I get something from. And I'd be delighted. I would very much welcome it. Okay, that's it. I'm gone. I'm out. I'm about to get an injection of something into my into some part of my mouth for work to be done. Um, I'd rather stay here and talk longer, but dentistry, it's a necessary evil. Okay, you take care. Do mind yourselves. Do stay positive. Do stay thoughtful. Do engage and don't tolerate the crap that shouldn't be tolerated. Maybe maybe that's a good place to go, is it? Is it? Not with piety, just with come on, do the right thing. For God's sake. Let's be let's be better. You know? I think we can do that. Okay, take it easy, mind yourselves, I'll talk to you next week. All the best. See ya. Bye.